Hello, I am Donna Freeman, the founder of Yoga in My School, and this is the Yoga in My School podcast. I appreciate you coming and having a listen. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your comments, and your ratings. It truly is a blessing as it helps others to find us. The purpose of the Yoga in My School podcast is to empower you to share yoga and mindfulness with youth. Through the archives and this episode in particular, I know that you will receive inspiration, knowledge, and tools to help you do so. We also are big fans of building community, and we love finding people who are doing amazing things in the kids' yoga community worldwide. So if you know of someone, or maybe you are someone, who are doing something incredible and you'd like to share it, feel free to reach out. You can email me, Donna, at yoganmyschool.com with ideas for upcoming episodes. Appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day, and enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. This is the Yoga in My School podcast. My name is Donna Freeman. I am the host of the podcast and the founder of Yoga in My School. And I am excited tonight. Well, it's tonight for me listening. I don't know when it'll be producing. I don't know when it'll be when you're listening. Um, But I'm excited because I get to talk with a music producer who has been on my playlist for a very long time. And uh, I was thrilled when his newest endeavor came across my desk and I got really excited. And then he said he was available for an interview and I was like, oh! This is going to be good. Let's talk about multiculturalism, music, the impact it has on us, kids, sleep. Oh, blessed sleep and all of that goodness. So thank you for tuning in today. You can always watch on YouTube or listen on your fave podcast provider. And if you've enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes we produce, please share it with a friend. Share the love, share the joy, share the music, share the energy. All right. Tonight... Like I said, it's tonight for me. Um, We've got Dan Storper, and he is the founder of Putumayo, Putumayo International Music. uh, And you, but you didn't start with music. Can you read all the way to the beginning of this wonderful adventure that you've had through most of your life? Well, we have to go far back, basically. As a kid growing up in the '60s, I used to listen to a lot of the great music that used to be part of the radio scene back in the day before it became more homogenized. But I remember hearing people like uh, Miriam Makeba and Hugh Masekela and and, uh, Sergio Mendez in Brazil 66 and other groups that were performing and happened to have radio hits back in the 60s. So that flavor, that sound, that exotic sensibility was always something that interested me. as it turns out, I made, you know, I studied Spanish in school. And then when I was um, 16, my aunt and uncle, uh, my aunt was an anthropologist and was working with an archaeologist based in Mexico and Rochester. And my uncle's a doctor. He was invited to lecture in Mexico. Uh, and he invited me to join, the, they invited me to join their family on a trip to Mexico when he was lecturing. And so with them, I travel around the country and they were just incredible travelers. They took me to all the nooks and crannies of the most fascinating historic um, pre-Columbian villages and uh, everything that was kind of a, you know, it was a laying out of, a, of a, a culture that had been around for centuries 
and still existed in fascinating ways today. And, you know, museums and just Mexico came alive to me. And uh, I decided to major in Latin American studies when I went to college. And really it was through that process of focusing on Latin American studies, I decided um, to spend a, a semester abroad actually in Spain because they didn't have a program in Latin America where I studied Latin America from Spain, from colonial Spain's perspective. Um, although there was a lot of stuff that I you know, picked up from that. And then after graduating college, I decided to visit the countries I'd studied. So I worked for the summer, managed to earn enough money to travel to South America, actually worked for six months, and then uh, traveled through the countries, some of the countries I'd studied. And this was actually 1974 and 75. Uh, took about a six week trip. And uh, on the first day there, I decided um, I wasn't actually, it was funny. Um, I ended up in this port city uh, in Colombia that I actually didn't like very much. Um, but there was this person selling beautiful handwoven tapestries, wall hangings. And I really liked them. And I bought one and I said, you know, I think the Americans would really like this. And I thought maybe that's what I should be doing down here. It's a way of traveling around and looking for handicrafts that people in America might like. And so I uh, saved up enough money that I could buy some and I shipped it back. And uh, when I got back, I started doing handicraft shows at community centers and galleries and other places and managed to kind of sell enough that I could travel back to South America. And after about a year of that, opened a little shop with my dad's help on, in New York City selling handicrafts and clothing from Latin America. And that is where it began, really. That was 1975. And then, you know, I used to play all kinds of background music from the places that I was interested in in Latin America. But I also mixed it with um, some of my favorite American artists, you know, Ray Charles and Bob Dylan and uh, Bonnie Raitt and others that were um, Van Morrison. Um, so it was an eclectic mix of music and people really love the music um, that I was playing. But a lot of the Andean flute music that I picked up when I was in South America helped create this relaxing, peaceful escape from the hustle and bustle of the New York City street. So I think in some respects, that was the beginning of kind of getting a sense that music had a capacity to really change your mood, lift your spirits, chill you out, whatever. Um, and, you know, it was powerful. You'd, you know, sometimes I'd play, I actually was still into classical music in those days. And so there would be a piece that was playing. I remember sometimes people would come in off the streets and, you know, that they would react, you know, some would start laughing, some would start, one started crying because it reminded her of a breakup of uh, a relationship that had happened because that was the music that was playing at the time. And I was asking, you know, wow, you know, what happened? And, you know, she explained. Um, but, you know, the idea is that music has, a, uh, obviously has a profound influence on, on your mood. And, and uh, if you can find your way to music that is appealing, it can change how you feel. And what happened to me was um, I'd had a series of fortuitous uh, accidents, one of which was uh, when I was returning from Bali um, where we were making hand, you know, importing handicrafts and clothing from. I was stopped in uh, Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, went to an exhibit in Golden Gate Park. And on my way, there was this band performing in the middle of this field. 
and it was an African band called Katoja. And I was struck by how the music was so fun and uplifting and perhaps a hundred people were gathered and they were dancing and having a great time. The sun was shining. It was really a glorious day and a gl glorious mood. And I was struck by that and uh, went back to New York. A few days later, I went into one of my stores and they were playing thrash metal music. And the music just didn't fit the vibe of the stores and the feeling flavor of international um, cultures. So I just started going out to record stores and figuring out what to, I could buy that would help create a mood. And I was struck by how hard it was to figure out what to buy because there weren't listening stations. There was no way to really tell. People didn't know the music. And I started just assembling stuff through combination of ways and ultimately put together a tape that was played in the stores. At that point, it had seven retail stores. And the first day the tape went around to these stores, I started getting calls from the manager saying, you have no idea what kind of transformation there's been in our store. I mean, not just the customers coming up and asking about songs, but our staff was in so much better moods. I mean, it really made a difference. Um, and noticeable difference. And there was interest on the part of customers. And that's what led me to ask a friend who I knew from the Social Venture Network, a group I belonged to, the uh, co-founder of Rhino Records, if they wanted to do a compilation. It was just really going to be one album just to test the waters. And that one album led to a whole series and led to me selling the clothing and handicraft bit, well, clothing business and focusing on, uh, on music since then. Love it. I love the circuitous nature of it. Just like you say, just some happy accidents almost that yep. um, this and then that. Serendipity. Yeah. Right. That, that's beautiful how it just kind of unfolded. And like, who would have predicted when you were 16 going to Mexico for a holiday with your aunt and uncle that um, that international music and travel would become so much a huge uh, a part of your life? Well, I think, you know, I think when you're young, you kind of have certain things that come into your life that give you indications of what you're interested in. And as a kid, I remember reading the Dr. Doolittle books and tra uh, books by travelers. You know, I was always interested in that. So I I'm not surprised that, you know, my first trip got me started in a direction that, you know, continued my interest. It wasn't like all of a sudden I'm traveling and it's the first inclination that I ever had I think as a kid I was always interested in the idea of traveling yeah you know it just fostered by um, circumstances by situations by the people and yeah I just love it all right so I'm just going to introduce well let's talk first about this whole multi-cultural multinational aspect of the music that you do because you in many of your albums focus on one one place like it'll be french something or latin america something or like right you, you you'll focus on one genre of music or one continent um and then other times you kind of mix it all together and and pull it together so tell me a little bit just diving a little bit deeper into the music how do you find the artists and how do you decide on what to put on what album yeah it's a, again a kind of organic process i find uh, that, you know, sometimes you'll hear a song and it will suggest a theme. Like, you know, now having listened uh, to 
probably hundreds of thousands, if tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of songs, um, you know, you get a sense of what you really like and what feels special. And I'm fortunate that I have as a collaborator, Jacob Edgar, who's been our music, primary music researcher. Uh, he has his own label now uh, called Kumbancha, but he does consult with us since, you know, he's been with us for about 20 years. And, you know, I, I used to joke that he had the best job at Putumayo because he got to focus on music. I had to run the company, which incorporated, you know, I'm always the person that picks the final songs and does the sequencing and collaborates and, and works with any of the outside people like we did with uh, Sean Johnson on the yoga albums. Um, but, you know, basically I get the chance to listen to a lot of great music and I've traveled a fair amount for musical purposes, but Jacob's been the primary music researcher to get enough music. And then he'll pass along music to me to listen to a lot of times. And I will feel like, you know, instinctively, you know, we haven't done this in a while, or this is an area we really should explore. Um, you know, there are certain types of music that I just absolutely love, like Afro-Latin or Afro-Cuban music. But sometimes you'll actually do, do it, I won't say to death, but you kind of overdo it after a while and you say, let's give it a break. And we did that, I remember once releasing, it was crazy, three Brazilian albums at the same time. And I, you know, went overboard, you know, which, you know, you just get into it and then you say, okay, well, these are such great themes, such great songs, let's do this. But it is very much, um, you know, kind of a serendipitous organic way that it comes together. Although we kind of do it with our staff, we take votes on, you know, what themes people think, you know, would be good now, what we've done too often and so you know it may not be the right time to do it um and you know i think also as more and more music comes out you hear more and sometimes you know we'll discontinue an album because it's been out for a while and we want to find a way to do something new and fresh that is in the same field so we'll cancel we'll stop an album and then do one that's somewhat similar but, um, you know, I love, I'm just working right now on a French music and Afro-Cuban album. I mean, a French album, an Afro-Cuban album. Uh, we have a singer-songwriter album that's coming out next week, uh, kind of Putumaya World Cafe-themed uh, album. And um, then we have, um, uh, we just finished the Yoga Dreamland album. So, you know, we don't want to overdo it, uh, but... Uh, you know, I think the beauty of this is, you know, we have such an archive to choose from and it becomes overwhelming, but there is very much an instinctual process to get to the place where we say it's time to release an album. And then, uh, you know, it takes a while. It could put, take a year or more to put an album together. Fabulous. So you mentioned the Yoga Dreamland. I'm just going to hold it up for those of you who are watching on YouTube. This is the Yoga Dreamland album and um, love it. So it, to me, it was kind of like, as I looked at your, your library, I was like, well, they've got this beautiful yoga series. And that's how I came to know you through yoga lounge and acoustic yoga. Like I just play the albums. <laughs> I just 
<laughs> like push play, let's do a class. Um, of course, I have my favorites, but when you did this, and then you, of course, you have your Dreamland series for the Putumayo kids. And this kind of seemed like a, a natural combination of those two uh, endeavors as they kind of dovetailed together of let's yeah. do the yoga, let's let's get kids relaxed. Um, which one of those topics do you want to delve into, the yoga one or the like dreamland one? Well, I think because it, or it was oriented towards children, um, we had started a kid series with World Playground, which was the first really dedicated, focused on music that ki kids would find appealing, even though our earlier albums, prior to 1999, we had about six years before we did that first kids album, a lot of teachers would say they used our music in their classrooms, even though it wasn't kid, mu kidsy music. It's just kids love the upbeat sounds. Uh, why don't you do a kids oriented album where you're really focused on music for kids? And even World Playground, though it was kid friendly, had a lot of songs that were not meant for kids because we we didn't want to we don't want to have like babyish music that's going to drive parents crazy. Um, so we started the series in '99, and after doing a few upbeat albums, we said, "Well, wouldn't it be nice to have something, uh, an album that would help put children to sleep and relax them?" And that's when we did our Dreamland album a few years later, and that proved to be a real popular successful album and we continued in that and that's what happens sometimes when you do something you don't know if it's going to be successful whether people will really like it and so you you start it and then we followed that up with African Dreamland and Celtic Dreamland and a few other albums so I think we had something like seven or eight Dreamland albums before you put out Yoga Dreamland on the yoga side um, it, it made sense that we were already producing relaxing music as well as upbeat music um, collections. And since yoga was so popular and music was usually a big part of yoga, we said, let's put an album together that's dedicated towards relaxation and yoga. And it just so happens New Orleans is a great place, a resource, a town that has a lot of talented people. And there's a yoga instructor and musician um, and he owns a yoga studio named um, Sean Johnson. And he actually went to high school with my wife. Um, so it's really small worldy here in New Orleans. And uh, I don't remember exactly how it came. Maybe she suggested I, I talk to him. Somehow I knew about him and we connected and I asked him to consult with us on our first yoga album, which is simply called Yoga. And I asked him to uh, help us pick the songs and write the liner notes. And that was the first one and people really liked it. So we did uh, three others, uh, World Yoga, uh, Yoga Lounge and Acoustic Yoga. And so when we were getting ready to do a, a fifth album um, and we hadn't done a children's album in a while, I just said, you know, it, it seems to make sense to combine both of these. And uh, this was starting actually before COVID took off. Um, and, you know, so we were already working on it. And then it became clear that people are getting stressed out and it would be nice to get this completed and not let it lag on like sometimes we do. I mean, there are projects that can take five years before we finally release them. Um, this one was one we just knew that people, you know, would be ready for. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, it came out, we're in um, 
April now. So this was, I guess, February. Yeah. yeah, it's been out for a little bit and and people can find all of your music like on every music provider as well as your website. So you're like, go. With well, let, let me be clear. We are a little selective um, in the sense that we don't, we're not on all the services. Ah. So, you know, we are on, you know, iTunes and Apple and we obviously sell CDs through an array of different retailers that you can find online and other places. And you can stream not all the songs, but many of the songs on uh, Apple Music and Spotify, but it's limited. It's not, you know, the vast array of, of, of resources. We just decided to keep it a little limited. Um, now we're on Pandora and, and um, you know, so there are a few places you can find Putumayo. Fantastic. Well, one of the lovely things about getting the CD, um, and I think you can also download it off of the site, off of your website, is these yeah. liner notes. And the liner notes provide um, a, a beautiful little yoga series that parents can do with their with their littles. Pl put the disc in, play, push, push play on whatever device you've got going on. And then you've got these adorable adorable pictures and a little explanation of the poses my favorite is uh the favorite picture and probably pose is um this legs up the wall pose right um just supported leg pose as you've called it here and just i love the fact that you've made it so accessible to parents because some parents have no idea like or or maybe they know what's great what works for them but they're like well what series do the poses go in like how does that work i'm not you know i'm not i don't you don't need to be a yoga instructor is the, what i'm trying to say to reap amazing benefits from this and i i really like it so yeah, get the cd <laughs> go old school well, i, I want to add also that we've started adding digital download cards to the cd packages mm -hmm. so that album for instance you get a cd and a digital download card you obviously can download the album and you can get the booklet, I guess, if you download the album. But because it's already printed and it gives you that whole series of yoga poses and instructions that are put together by Sean Johnson, who is a professional yoga instructor. And, um, you know, even on our website, we, he, he did a guided yoga and sleep practice um, for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, basically. You can go to the Putumaya website um, and there is this yoga, he, he kind of guides you along. Uh, he's got a very soothing voice, so I could fall asleep. You know, that's also one of the challenges of putting these Dreamland albums together is you're listening and then all of a sudden you're starting to, your eyes are getting heavy and you're going to sleep. And so it's not as easy to uh, listen to scores and scores of slow, sleepy songs as you do with upbeat, fun party songs or whatever. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy the way it turned out. And I think that's both sides of the music that we offer is, you know, or, you know, the upbeat, fun, festive music that lifts you, your spirits, the uh, mid-range music that you can listen to over a French dinner or an African uh, cafe album or something like that. And then the more me mellow, uh, meditative, relaxing uh, music like the yoga albums or the Dreamland albums. Yeah, I really like that connection. And, and, and you've just explained it, but the connection between music and 
how it can transform how we feel. And you've, you know, you talked about it when you walked into your store and it was just the wrong kind of music. It's like, no, <laughs> I need to turn that off because that's not the feeling I want. And so, you know, and as you explained, in as we ran into COVID and you knew you needed to kind of almost fast track this album because you saw the need for people to transform and handle the stress and to ease it. Um, like, can you talk a little bit more about like that, that emotional impact that you, uh, music has on us, like not just emotionally, but physically and mentally as well? Yeah. Well, you know, I think I can only speak from my own personal experience. You know, I've had this, you know, we all have tough days. We all have stressful days. I think the thing that stands out is when I'm listening to music, in a stressful day or a day where I've had a couple of setbacks and I'm sitting there. I remember once working on an album that is one of my favorites called Islands. It's no longer available, but it was like this cold, dreary, rainy November day. I was sitting at my desk and I was listening, you know, just it had, I'd come back from being outside and it, it just felt dreary. And I was doing some work that I wasn't really enjoying and I'm sitting there and I put the album on as I said, I'm gonna work on the album a little bit more. Uh, I think I was right at, I was writing the liner notes. And so I put it on and literally within about two or three minutes, all of a sudden my mood had completely changed. And I think, you know, we used to joke that um, a $15 CD was probably the cheapest form of therapy, you know, especially in New York where it could cost you a couple hundred bucks for an hour at therapy at a set, you know, psychologist. It, it's one of the surefire ways to lift your spirits. And uh, that's kind of what was happening to me, you know, and I feel like it's funny, we talk about Dreamland helping kids fall asleep, but a lot of parents use it themselves for relaxation and for yoga. And I was thinking about it because sometimes I will have some issues with sleep and I realize you know that I don't always use my own albums as tools at night I mean I I work on them but then I, I just said to myself as we're talking here you know I should try yoga dreamland at home for myself because I, I it, you know it would probably be effective um, in the way some of these other albums are for other people um, so yeah I think it I think there is this transformational process that can go through um, kind of an organic, you know, you listen with your senses, with your ears, you feel things, you feel the music, just like you, you know, smell smells or you eat delicious food that, you know, makes you happy. You know, music has a way of reaching uh, deep inside you and, and affecting you in, a, in an emotional and, and, in psychological way um and if it's the right music it, it leads you um it can lead you even into wanting to explore the country i mean one of the my favorite things is when people write notes that they decided to go, go to mali or to um colombia or some place that the music was so enchanting to them and they started reading about it or they discovered an artist and the, through that artist, they learned about the music more broadly of that region or the country. 
and they decide to visit there. So it's a tool to introduce people in a, <clears throat> in a positive way to other cultures, many of which struggle with daily problems that poverty, disease, uh, all kinds of issues, war, um, and, and music helps people rise above their daily problems. Love it. And I really like how um, through your albums, you're introducing, you know, all people, but especially children to other cultures that they, like, as you say, they may not have been exposed to before. And, and it's like, listen to this. Isn't this interesting? Like these different languages. And it's like, wonder what they're saying. Wonder yeah. what, wonder what the message is like. Like it, I think it really uh, sparks curiosity about being a world citizen and to start that really young. And yeah, and I'll tell you something. We, we um, were working with a teacher. One of the reasons we started the kids series was a, uh, an elementary school teacher named Emmy Gittleman who lived in New York and she had recommended us doing a kids-oriented album. She had used our adult albums in her class uh, to help teach kids about the world. And so she worked with us on the first few albums uh, for kids. And, uh, and then we had an assemble, we assembled, we actually for a while had a music researcher for kids who did other things, but they specialized in kids music. So we built up a really fairly large kids music database. Um, you know, clearly there's not as much children's music or universally appealing children's music as there is adult music. So it, it, it wasn't easy to find as, as easy, uh, I mean, it's never easy to find great songs or enough to put an album together. Um, but I think with children's music, um, the ability to take the music and use it as a jumping off point to teach kids about the world is really what Emmy began to do. And then we actually created a couple of activity kits for teachers to use in schools that are centered around the albums. Um, World Playground and Latin Playground. And, uh, you know, then actually in recent years, we've started distributing children's books that are not music oriented, but multicultural children's books and act activity sets. Um, and so I think the idea is, you know, through art, through music, through books, there is a way that children can explore the world, um, you know, if, even if they can't travel to each and every country. Yeah, I love that. Um, for me, I I really liked listening to Yoga Dreamland. And one of the reasons why I liked listening to it is I, re I went again to many of the places that I've lived and traveled to. So I have lived in Japan and you have a Japanese song on here. I have lived in Latin America and you have a couple of Latin America songs in here. I've lived in Africa and there's an African song here. And so I like I it took me back to so many places and people that I love. And so thank you for, for that. That was a really lovely gift as I listened to it for the first time. I was just kind of overwhelmed with this feeling of connection and a history um, that just happened so quickly because of the sounds and the languages and the beauty of the music. So that was a tremendous gift. I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Um, so, one, now I'd like to talk about um, getting kids to sleep because I know a lot of parents <laughs> struggle. Like bedtime can be a battleground. Um, and right, and 
I like this idea, especially with the yoga dreamland one is the idea of using relaxing movement to take kids from the activity of the day and slowly get them where their parents want them to go, which is asleep. Yeah. <laughs> and um, can you talk a little bit or tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that is combining, you know, that dreamland aspect with the gentle movement as a vehicle to relaxation. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I haven't done a, a, a lot of yoga classes, um, but, you know, in that process of stretching and doing a more gentle approach, which is really what this is, this is not a high intensity yoga experience. The idea is that, first of all, the music by itself, even without yoga, is intended to help put a child to sleep within a few minutes. And in some cases, we used to have, you know, I, I, <laughs> I would get emails sometimes from people who said, I don't know what's in this music, but, um, you know, my, my child is asleep within two minutes of my putting that first song. She hears it or he hears it. And it's like, it just means sleep. Um, the idea that you can go through a, a, a series of relaxing poses and exercise in a relaxing way while this music is playing, obviously, you know, you can get tired, you can get elevated, but the way Sean put the sequence together and the way the music enhances that process I think what he was able to do was um, kind of combine a small number, six poses and activities. So it won't take long. You can probably, the album, you know, could be a half an hour, but uh, you, know, you could sit there and, and do an actual half an hour yoga. But most children, I think when they're getting ready for bed, it's not going to last that long. They're just starting and then they get to this point where they're just really relaxed and can fall, drift off to sleep. So I think it works either way. Um, and I think, you know, you could certainly choose during the day to do it as a relaxing exercise and not intend to fall asleep as you could do it at night and intend to fall asleep. Yeah. Well, I must admit that I think my favorite, you know, even though there's so many that took me to different countries, my favorite song is the Midnight Dreaming. And I've used it in some of my adult classes, especially when we do a practice called yoga nidra, which is yogic sleeping. And there's just these beautiful pauses in the music, like these anticipatory pauses. And you're just like almost sleep. And then the music starts again. And it's so elemental. I'm like, it's like on my favorites. <laughs> it's like, I gotta play this one. It's like, if I just have a few minutes to relax, it's like, yeah, yeah, where's that midnight dreaming song? I need that in my life. Yeah. Um, but, um, as you say, some people just, they hear it and it's like, oh, this means sleep. And that right. is a song that absolutely means sleep. Um, well, that's great to you. I'll tell you something, you know, when you, and I don't want to overplay the fact that there's, you know, it's a, there's an ocean of music out there. And I think we see our role as curating and selecting songs, which can take you on a journey it may be a half an hour, maybe 40 minutes of music. It may take you to Africa, or it may take you um, simply into um, a relaxed state. But the idea is that it's 
the music individual songs are really appealing, but the thing that drives me nuts and probably drives my staff nuts is how long it takes to sequence an album. Because you could pick a lot of great songs, but they may not flow together. And it's the flow of the music that is as crucial as the song selection. And so certainly for yoga, that's the case. And for Yoga Dreamland, that's the case. But in general, with the music that we select, you know, many great songs fall out along the way because they just don't fit or serve the, the journey. And um, so even though we released maybe 250 or more albums, you know, there's always this point where you say, okay, I think, I think we've got it. And I'm not saying that we did that with every album. There's certainly albums when I look back and think just never quite got the thing completely, you know, it's very frustrating. You, you know, you said, okay, we're going to release it, but we're not quite there yet. And uh, one of the nice things with something like Yoga Dreamland is that I never felt anything other than with Sean's help that we got to a place where it worked. Um, and that's not always the case. It's often the case, but not always the case. Fantastic. Well, and the other thing, just to one more plug for the notes, I really like I poured over the notes um, to learn about the artists and about the songs and the meaning of the lyrics. And I was like, oh, thank you for adding all of those little details because I was hungry. I was like, where I want to know what this song means. Like, what are they singing? I think I understand right? when it's in Spanish. I'm like, I think I know what that means. <laughs> Let me just double yeah. check. Um, so I appreciate the, that attention to detail that you're providing and just the, the enriching experience. It's not just an auditory experience. It is a truly um, multi-sensory learning, stimulating, um, it's, it's wonderful. So I appreciate um, how much detail and the work that you and your team go to, to creating these beautiful albums. So thank you. Well, thank you very much, Donna. I really appreciate that. And it's, it's really um, rewarding to hear it from somebody that is out there and has listened to a lot of music, you know, and recognizes, you know, there's something a little bit special about the process that we've been going through. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we sign off? No, well, the only thing I can say is that um, if you come to the Putumai website, you can, you know, and it's P-U-T-U-M-A-Y-O, it often gets spelt incorrectly, but, um, you know, one of the things we started doing is um, playlists that incorporate songs from different Putumai albums and none, and some of our favorite songs that are not yet on Putumai albums or may never be. And so in addition to the albums that we offer, we have playlists, we do a syndicated radio show called the Putumai World Music Hour, it's on about a hundred stations. You can listen also on our website. Uh, so, and you can watch videos from around the world, including kids videos. So I think the idea is we wanna help people experience the world through music and other ways. Uh, obviously the books uh, and activity sets form a part of that. They're not all musical. Most of them are not actual musical. So I think, you know, you get a sense of who we are and what we do by going to the website and, and hopefully people will do that. Fantastic. All right. So visit the Putumayo.com website. You can also follow um, on Instagram and Facebook and all of your social media sites and find out all the fun things that they're doing. I know um, I've been following for a while now and it's good, good content, people. You've got to um, 
you know, I, like, like I said, I was really thrilled when, when I received an email from your marketing team, I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Cause I mean, and I, I will say for those people that are watching on YouTube, we do have not all of our music, but a, 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 some of our music is available on YouTube as well. So, um, you know, there are a variety of ways to access it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You're a busy guy. And um, I know you could have spent a lovely evening uh, in New Orleans with your wife. No, it's, it's, it's my pleasure. Thank, thank you, you for inviting that. me. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate your time. This is the Yoga in My School podcast. And until next time.